More Deadly podcast, where we review horror movies directed by women, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of my favorite people in the world, the one and only Ariel. Hi. Hey, girl. How have you been? Um, I am very, very tired right now, but I'm doing okay. <laughs> I have a new upstairs neighbor who is keeping me up at all hours. Okay, so these were the people that moved in that have the PT Cruiser, which for people who are not Zombie Girls listeners or are not initiated, these are the sex cult (laughs) people, correct? Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Ariel has some um, active neighbors. I do, and my new neighbor is a young man who has lots of guests. Oh, damn. And And he also has the loudest surround sound system and he watches movies at all hours of the night and is constantly cooking and constantly dropping things and if i'm honest it's a little bit like living downstairs from myself oh no (laughs) i know those are things that i do and i probably annoy my neighbors too but i have not slept well in a couple weeks and it's making me cranky so when do you get out the broom and start banging it on the ceiling? Right? I know. I know. I'm I'm really close. Last night, I was so tired. I was cooking dinner, and I had r- vegetables roasting in the oven, and I went to get them out and forgot to use oven mitts. Oh, oh, Ariel, <laughs> I was just so tired. So, but, okay, I don't really have fingerprints right now because <gasps> of this. Ariel! So, I know, I know. It's not good. It's not good. But is this my opportunity to like successfully rob a bank or become Ooh, a Dexter like master criminal you know? time? Yeah, yes. I won't leave a mark. <laughs> oh God. Okay. What crime should we have you commit? I'm seeing you in full cat burglar gear right now, <laughs> and I am. I never knew how much I needed to see you in a technical <laughs> turtleneck and, you know, night vision goggles just cruising around on your fingerprintless pads. That sounds so Hacking cool. into mainframes and stealing crown jewels and whatnot. Oh, I'd probably is... still be wildly unsuccessful, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you could magoo your way to the top of the cr- oh, crime thanks. syndicate. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they say that we there are infinite universes and infinite realities to the point where everything is happening all the time. Uh-huh. So in that scenario, there is some sort of Berenstein Bears <laughs> universe where you are a master cat burglar. <laughs> you are a one person Ocean's Eleven band. <laughs> Just oh my gosh. I love it. Yes. Stealing I all the home diamonds. <laughs> See, this is why we need a Rick and Morty style portal gun. I want to go to there. Yes, me too, man. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, I'm really sorry that you're in this universe where you're just forgetting oven mitts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, me too, man. (laughs) But uh, how are you doing, Rachel? (laughs) I'm doing good. All my fingers and and fingerprints are still intact. So I I didn't realize that was a win, but (laughs) now I know where the bar is. So I feel like that's a win. I'm good already gearing up for the holiday stuff christmas stuff getting ready for the production because i'm one of those fools that makes a lot of gifts so yeah that's i mean it's been a pretty slow week in terms of exciting things i'm trying to think i feel like every week is kind of a slow week for exciting things these days so i feel like i'm spending a lot of my mental time and energies planning all the amazing things that i'm going to do as soon as <laughs> i get the i as i've been referring to it my v card back aka getting a vaccine i'm i mean <laughs> 
look out world you're not ready for all this rachel (laughs) (laughs) oh i can't wait (laughs) i know me too (sighs) all right so since we're still trapped in the house (laughs) we're going to be reviewing a little movie that i i watched today and i'm excited to talk about which is the craft legacy directed by zoe lister jones now before we get into that though can you please let our listeners know what our spoiler policy is Yep, we're going to spoil everything. Oh, All the yeah. twists and turns. We're going to talk about the ending. So now is your opportunity to hop out and watch the movie or just stick with us and listen to us spoil it for you. Yeah, I vote B. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay, so tell me a little bit about Zoe Lister Jones and the production of this here movie. So Zoe Lister-Jones grew up in Brooklyn, New York. While she was in high school, she actually auditioned for the musical theater because it was something she was really interested in, but she never got a role. So instead, she joined a glam rock band made up of other graduates of her high school. And they did gigs around New York City. So at the time, one of the reviewers called her Olivia Newton-John on glue. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And she apparently had a blonde faux hawk mullet situation going on. Rad. So she then went on to the Tisch School of the Arts and she graduated there with honors and then went to study at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in London. And after graduating, she burned CDs of herself playing piano ballad renditions of pop and rap songs, which I wish that existed somewhere out there because I kind of want to hear those. Seriously. Seriously. And then she used that music in making a one-woman show that she performed. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that one-woman show then helped her to score an agent and start getting real acting gigs. So Hmm. soon after that, she started acting in different TV shows. She was in episodes of four different Law & Order shows. (laughs) (laughs) which seems to be a reoccurring thing for actors when they're starting out they just pop through all the law and order franchises amazing (laughs) yeah since then she's had a reoccurring role on new girl she Mm. also starred in the shows dislocated whitney friends with better lives and then most recently she starred in all four seasons of life in pieces Okay. I never watched that. Did you watch that? I didn't, no. Yeah. I I mean, I am sure it's a great show, but I can't do, like, straight drama. Like, I need an angle. I need a little edge. You know what I mean? Yeah, I me too. Twist. I never so, watch straight dramas because they just tend yeah. to make me feel bad most of the time, and I cry right. a lot. Like, my life is a, a straight time. drama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> With a dash of horror and dark <laughs> comedy from yeah. time to time. <laughs> she also was in movies sporadically she starred alongside greta gerwig in the indie movie lola versus which Mm. i guess was really popular and did really well it's kind of an indie film nice and then she and her husband have also been frequent collaborators and in 2009 her husband directed the movie breaking upward which she co-wrote and starred in and Then her feature film debut as a director came with the movie Band-Aid, which she wrote, directed, and starred in alongside Mm. Adam Pally, Brooklyn Decker, Fred Armisen, and a ton of other really famous comedians. I love all those people. I know. It makes me want to see it. Apparently, it's about a husband and wife who can't stop fighting, so they start a band as a last-ditch effort to save their marriage. Oh, I get it. Band-Aid. 
Yeah. That's pretty clever. <laughs> That's pretty clever. <laughs> so with Band-Aid, one of the things that she did as a director was to hire an all-woman crew. Oh, rad. So everything from the cinematographer and the costume designer to the grips and the drivers, everybody was a woman. And she said that when she started working as an actor, it made her realize just how little gender equity there is behind the camera. So that's why she oh, wanted yeah. to do this. Yeah. So I was reading this New York Times article about the film Band-Aid. And in it, it said that in 2017, when the movie came out, the number of female crew members hadn't increased since 1998. So Ooh. I guess in the last couple years, it's gotten a little bit better since then. But it was that situation that made her want to hire all these women mm, makes sense well that's rad be the change you want to see in the world literally yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> she had witnessed women directors when she was acting be questioned more than their male counterparts and she saw people be more impatient with women directors and she didn't want to have to deal with that or be condescended to so that's why she hired all of these women. And she also said that she wanted to see what the effect would be of having all of these women making this movie, like what the end product would be like, as well as the experience of actually making the film. And all of it went wonderfully and the film was well received. So it was a success for her. Awesome. That's so cool. Once again, another badass. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're going to like this part to accomplish this, where it was all sort of one unifying female voice behind the camera she had male financial backers and producers and she banned them from set <laughs> <laughs> i love it it's a girls only clubhouse mm -hmm. <laughs> that's yeah, amazing exactly. so as for production for the craft legacy she both wrote and directed it and the director of the original film uh, andrew fleming he served as an executive producer but she mm. did the writing and all of the directing. So she said Rad. that she was excited to pitch to Blumhouse because she saw the original at a slumber party when she was growing up. She's about our age mm -hmm. and she loved it. And she described herself at the time as a riot girl when she was growing up. And cool. at one point she had a shaved head and she said that she really felt like a weirdo and kind of an outcast. So that movie really resonated with her, which is, I think, a similar mm -hmm. experience that you and I have had with that film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But she also said that she had a really close group of girlfriends who helped get her through those tough times. And she really wanted to capture that experience in the film that she was making. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah. But she was nervous about taking on the project because the original has such an enduring legacy. And she was afraid of not doing it justice because she wanted to change some things for the new right. one. And make it really a movie for young women today in the same way mm -hmm. that the craft was at the time, but also mm -hmm. add in a few nostalgic elements. She credited the first movie with making witchcraft accessible, but in this newer one, she wanted to take it a step further by broadening people's idea of what witchcraft can look like by having mm -hmm. the girls use magic in a more ethical, understanding way. Gotcha. That's interesting. Processing. Mm -hmm. Processing. <laughs> I don't know that I agree with all this, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think that's something I'm sure we'll get into as we're talking about the movie as to whether we agree with her ideas about it. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. So she also wanted to include more contemporary ideas of witchcraft. And 
She described it as being about women and community and using the power of the divine feminine to create change. Mm -hmm. So I want to read you this quote from her that I read in this interview where she said, the history of witch hunting is very much hand in hand with the history of the patriarchy and those institutions being threatened by women's inherent power. I think we're all witches. I do think that there's a specific and singular power that women have, and I'm including trans women when I say that, obviously, that is just inherently witchy. Yeah, I mean, I did really like the inclusion of a trans character and making space for trans women in this. Yeah, that's one of my major pros from this movie. Yep, exactly. So unfortunately, with the craft legacy, she wasn't able to hire an all-woman crew like she did with Band-Aid because they were filming in Toronto, and I guess it's a really busy production stuff happening up there, and so she wasn't able to do that. But she did hire women to head all the major departments, including director of photography, editor, production designer, art department, and a bunch of others, which is great. great. That's great. And then just to talk a little bit more about the inclusion of the trans character here. In the film, there is a trans character named Lords who is played by a 17-year-old trans woman named Zoe Luna. And cool. Lister Jones, the director, wanted a coven of witches to be more diverse this time so that there would be more inclusivity and even to sort of facilitate conversations around intersectional feminism. So in order to do this, she worked closely with Glad to ensure that she got the character of Lords right. And Zoe right. Luna, the, yeah, Zoe Luna, the actor, said that the director was willing to listen to her about anything she had to say about her character, but that Lister Jones had spent so much time educating herself before stepping into this role that Luna didn't feel like she had to spend a bunch of time helping her to understand the trans experience, which wow, she said was that's really great. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. so cool. So the only other thing that I have is something that I think you, as our resident wig cough, will really appreciate. Because <laughs> 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 so... let's face it, one of the most egregious wigs in history was Sarah's in the original. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm getting to. <laughs> <laughs> So Zoe Luna said, and I quote, I tried to watch it when I was like 15, just on a whim, and I couldn't get past the first 15 minutes because I was too bothered by Robin Tunney's wig. Yeah, it's a bad one. (laughs) I mean, I know it's because she shaved her head for Empire Records, but... Okay, so here's the funny thing is I never noticed that. What? Before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, that is multiple felonies. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But that's why I need you around. Bad wiggetry in the first degree (laughs) with malice. It's such a bad one. Such a bad one. I wish they had just let her be bald. I kind of felt like the haircut for the main character was almost a nod to that. They gave her short hair because they're like, we are not going to commit this, you know, (laughs) original sin (laughs) that was the bad wig. I, I, I kind of felt like it was maybe a choice. I don't know. Maybe that's just me putting way too much emphasis on the wig but the fact that it came up i feel a little validated by it i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i'm not alone <laughs> but even okay so i rewatched the original today because i had some yeah. extra time and it'd been a couple years since i had seen it yeah and Don't i had already it. done this research so i knew that it was a wig now which i didn't okay. know in the past that and i still had a hard time mind. telling what i, still, <laughs> I was looking what? right at her and <laughs> Are you serious? And I still think if I didn't know, I wouldn't know. I don't know. I'm. I just must not have that eye for it. 
I mean, you can't see the forehead, (laughs) the hairline? Yeah, I mean, it looks too precise. I get it. But it if I wasn't a just perfect focused... oval <laughs> way far back on her head. <laughs> I just think that if I hadn't had it pointed out to me, even as an adult, I still wouldn't necessarily have picked up on it. That's all I'm saying. You'll need to give me a crash course in wig stuff I'm, so I can get okay, better at Okay, sure. We can do that. <laughs> but, I mean, the fact that it is the most unnatural hairline on the planet should have been the, the Tip tipper. Off. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. If you look at a human hairline, it's not a perfect <laughs> egg-like oval. There are shapes <laughs> in the human hairline <laughs> that do yeah, not exist no, for her. You're right. You're right. I just... <laughs> Maybe I'm like colorblind, but only for hairlines, you know. But no, that's fine. You know, <laughs> here's the thing is that's just one more little bit of movie magic that works for you that has been ruined for me. So <laughs> in some ways, who's really winning here? You know what I mean? I think it's you. Okay. I think it's you. You're not pulled out of the movie and fully distracted by it. That That means you get to be more immersed in the movie. So that's a win for you. All right. I'll take it as a win then. Okay, good. <laughs> awesome awesome uh all right well let me tell you a little bit about the synopsis of this movie all right that's my job yes let's see here all right as this movie opens we meet frankie tabby and the lordess we have been talking about and they are three teen witches doing some magic but not fully able to they're limited because they need a fourth to call all the corners which as longtime craft fans we all know about the corners so enter Lily, who was our main character, who is moving to a new town with her mother. They're moving in with their manosphere-loving, soon-to-be stepfather, Adam, played by the one and only Dave Duchovny, mm-hmm. in an interesting choice of, act- of uh, casting. Yeah. And along with his two-and-a-half horrible sons, Jacob, Isaiah, and Abe. Did you just say have- two-and-a-half? <laughs> Yeah, because one of them is not that bad. The other two are horrendous. So two and a half. Abe's all right. He's a good kid. He Uh seems like he hasn't been fully corrupted by the manosphere bullshit yet. But the older two, oh, they're the worst. (laughs) The next day at school, Lily gets her period, oops, and bleeds through her pants, oops, which is humiliating. And she gets mocked roundly for. But the good news is, through the process, she makes some new friends with our coven of witches, right? So there's one guy in particular that gives her a hard time. His name is Timmy, and he's teasing her and giving her shit the next day. And through all of their powers combined, she's able to send him flying away from her. So the witches all kind of realize, oh, my God, we can actually telepathically communicate. And so they all start hanging out and doing all kinds of witchy things together, including hexing Timmy to be more woke. And it works because they're now a a full coven, and he he ends up becoming their friend which is kind of interesting and through that process confesses that he's actually bi and has been hooking up with the oldest brother of her uh, oh, i guess isaiah so over dinner that night lily and the family and the step family are all together and the soon-to-be stepfather david Duchovny, notices that there are some changes in timmy and he's not happy about it and the next day coincidentally he ends up dead oops so the coven all blame themselves they separate but twisty twist that's when lily needed them the most because it turns out that adam isn't just your run-of-the-mill misogynist he's also a warlock who wants to steal her power so 
ultimately though it works out because they all end up banding together and they defeat him and lily goes off to meet her birth mother who twisty twist is nancy from the original movie which unfortunately was a twist that you already know if you watched the original trailer yep <laughs> roll sure spoil that one <laughs> i know i mean i get that they were trying to communicate that it was a sequel but i would have been more fun to have that reveal totally come out of nowhere but yeah whatever. it really would have it also would have been nice if she had gotten to say like even a single line well she did like what do you want well i guess that's true <laughs> <laughs> like a, a one that actually mattered <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay so there's probably some things that we liked and didn't like i think that's fair to say yes no yes okay good so let's start <laughs> with the positive let's talk about the things that we liked about this movie ariel you go first Okay, so on the positive, I feel pretty mixed about this movie. So talking about the positive, I think is good. I thought that the lead actor who played Lily was actually really good. Mm -hmm. I thought that all of her scenes were really good. And I liked the chemistry between her and the mother character. I thought that she was a good entry point for the movie because she seems Mm -hmm. like a a really nice girl. And you really like her character a lot throughout. Mm Mm-hmm. I like that there were little bits of 90s nostalgia thrown in, especially in the beginning. There's an Alanis Morissette song that plays. She's taking pictures with a Polaroid. There's a caboodle that shows up at one point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like how they handled the trans character. I mean, I think we'll talk about one of the failings of this movie being that you don't really know that much about the women. Mm -hmm. But I did think that there's this one scene in the bathroom where one of the young women is talking about sort of the power of being a woman and part of that being pregnancy and periods. And Lourdes points out, well, not everyone. And then the other character is like, oh, yeah, my bad kind of thing. And then they Mm -hmm. move on. And I thought that was kind of a good way to handle that, to have it be something just like a quick back and forth and like, oh, yeah, of course. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to not include you in that way. But it wasn't preachy, but a good teaching moment still. Yeah. I mean, learning how to take criticism is the bare minimum, but also the most essential lesson. Right. Because you're not going to grow either, you know, without that. Sometimes you just got to take the criticism, dude. And like, and not get defensive and just be like, yeah, that was fucked up. You're right. I acknowledge it. It's not that hard. And yet it's the hardest thing ever. Yeah. So when it's modeled. Yeah, because we get our egos too much involved. Yeah, exactly. For sure. For sure. So I also liked that there was maybe a little more thought about the ramifications of the magic mm. I, I i don't know that there's a ton of it but there were like a couple lines where it felt like maybe they were thinking about that a little bit and then one of the other things is i don't remember the actor's name who plays timmy but i thought he was really good it is nicholas galt galtzini galtzine sure okay <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i thought he was i thought he was really good i thought that the scene where he kind of opens up to them and talks about having this experience with the stepbrother was really powerful and i thought he did a good job of being kind of scared to come out with this information but also that feeling of relief when you shared something with people who are willing to receive it so i thought that was that was pretty good too i also like that he maintained the love interest status you know what i mean a lot of times that would have maybe ended it right there Mm -hmm. he would have had that confession but i mean we as an audience would have done exactly the thing that he's talking about is slotting him into gay no it's more complicated than that and so that without skipping a beat he maintained an object of desire and a romantic interest for the lead i thought was really great 
Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, because it's almost directly after that that they have their kiss. Right. And I mean, the thing that he's talking about is there's no space for me. You can be gay, but you can't be what I am. And so for the movie to not only state it, but reaffirm it, I thought was pretty great. Yeah, I completely agree. Unfortunately, that's about all I have for prose. Okay. Well, I have some more pros than that. Okay. Um, So like I said, I think we're probably maybe on the same page, but to differing degrees, because I thought there were some really interesting ideas in this movie, particularly the way that it it villainizes and highlights the way that toxic masculinity doesn't just hurt men, but it also like, or it doesn't just hurt women. It also hurts men. Yeah, that's a good point. All of the male characters in this movie are just as victimized by it as as our female characters are. With the oldest brother, Isaiah, he's closeted and clearly self-hating and going through some shit. Jeremy is a prick, but he loses his best friend as a result of that and is mourning the loss of his best friend and kind of doesn't have a healthy way to process it. And also he's been turned into a misogynist asshole, which trust me, is not a good look. And then the youngest brother, Abe, lives in total fear of his father, who's so obsessed with power. And of course, obviously, Timmy, someone who, you know, is terrified to be his true self because that that space does not exist for him in this world. And then he's literally murdered for being feminized, you know, when he's not being a huge raging asshole anymore. And I think kind of exploring the way that toxic masculinity it is this double-edged sword that everybody is harmed by it is a pretty interesting idea and something i wasn't necessarily expecting in this it's easy to be like misogyny and patriarchy are evil yeah sure of course they are but it's not nuanced and i think this one takes this to another level where it kind of explores those ideas in a fresh and more topical more current kind of way so i did really like that And I think, to me, this movie feels like a really great pilot, you know? Oh, for a TV show. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. If this was a two-part pilot where we're getting to know our main character and then everything expands as the season goes on, this is a show I would totally watch. You know, I feel like it's a more sort of woke CW show that I would be pretty embarrassed but kind of into and I would totally watch (laughs) Uh it. Largely because I really, really like the main character quite a bit. You know, she's very sweet, very charming, surprisingly winning because normally that is not a character that I'm drawn to, but I think that Kaylee Spaney, I think is how you say her name, does a really great job. And I would love to watch her over a series embrace her power a bit more. That would be a journey that I would definitely sign on to watch. And I feel like the world that the movie creates has a lot of potential that could be explored over a longer format. And so the things that I don't, that don't work for this movie are largely things that would be resolved if you had some time and space to explore them. Right. And I think that the pacing of the movie was pretty solid. I never was bored. There were times where I maybe rolled my eyes or a little bit or got a little frustrated with things here and there, but it never dragged, never had any lulls. So I thought that the pacing was good. I think the movie looks really beautiful. You know, the first movie was witchcraft by way of hot topic. And this movie is kind of like (laughs) witchcraft by way of mod class Halloween collection, (laughs) (laughs) which is an interesting way to update it, you know, because that's where the weirdos are now kind of quirky with a little bit of dark edge that's mod cloth halloween collection all over it right (laughs) and so i thought that was an interesting way visually to sort of embrace the power of the divine feminine right it's very the aesthetics of this movie are very very girly even the way that the rituals have been updated to look 
you know, they look like a mod cloth, you know, spooky editorial with all the flowers and the pink right, and, and the glitter and sparkly. Yeah. But then absolutely. playing with these sort of ancient symbols and stuff like that. So visually, I was very into this movie, especially in moments where they there are some areas not so much but there are a few standout moments like the first time they freeze time and all the leaves are frozen around them and the butterflies are frozen around it's really pretty it's very pretty to look at movie and i like the sort of spooky autumn autumnal setting somewhere back east you know all that kind of stuff worked for me and i liked you know the subtle ways that they kind of expressed their different connections to the elements with the colors that they wore or the fact that Lily, who was the water element corner, always wore pearls, was just little subtle touches that spoke to their elements, which I thought were pretty. And I think overall, the movie has a, it has a point of view visually. It has a very distinct visual style. So that worked for me. I liked looking at this movie quite a bit. We've talked about strong performances, particularly with Kaylee and Nicholas as Timmy and, Lily, I thought were really great. When he, <laughs> Timmy to me was maybe one of my favorite characters. Obviously, when he's the bully, he's so one note and boring. I wanted to dismiss him immediately. But some of the funniest parts in this movie, I felt, were his initial moments of getting woke at the party. Yes. Yeah. And it I, was adorable, really. It's kind of impressive that he went from just being so, I was just like, ugh, what a dummy. I hate him, to being pretty charmed by him. And yeah. I liked that when he got woke, it was played for a laugh, but it didn't feel like the wokeness was funny. It was the sincerity that was funny. Yeah, and there was like an innocence about the way he was discovering this stuff. And his, we didn't spend a lot of time worrying about his friends being confused. It was definitely more everyone embracing mm-hmm. how much improved he was and I, right, you know when right. we got the you know the throwback to them walking through school and he was with them i thought that was really cute yeah like this that idea that he didn't just when he got woke he became an ally and a friend was kind of an interesting twist i wasn't expecting when they hexed him especially considering you know when you think about the original movie that is not what happens when <laughs> no, it is not <laughs> it's kind of the opposite of that and so i i did really like that and i really like the timmy character and i was genuinely sad when he died because i didn't too. i didn't really care about their love story so much i liked that he remained a love story he was still a viable love option after coming out as bi is great but i mean I just liked him as the character. I didn't need him to be a love interest. I wanted him to just join the coven or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I thought I thought that was really great. But yeah, so that's probably the and I would say overall my opinion of this was I did not love it in the way that I loved the first craft and I never expected to and I think it has some problems that we're going to get into. But it was nowhere near as bad as I feared at all not even and i know that sounds like big praise to the point where i found this to be entertaining it did not blow my mind i did not anger me as some remakes do it felt very slight but i felt there was enough interesting and new things here and it and it zipped along at a nice pace at a nice runtime to the point where i felt it was enjoyable yeah Um, it was an enjoyable movie definitely all right that being said, <laughs> I am guessing you as well have some issues with this movie. So let's get into maybe some of the things that didn't work for us. 
Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things for me is that we really like Lily and we get a pretty good sense of who she is as a person and her backstory, but we get nothing for the other three young women. Nothing. Who are they? We know nothing about them. I have no clue. I know their names and that's basically What is their motivation? Why, why, what, how did they become witches? The original, you, they took time to lay out the motivation for all of your characters every single one of them you know why they wanted these powers what drew them to witchcraft you know you've got you know the one who has an alcoholic mother and abusive stepfather and the one who's been ostracized because she has scars all over her body and bonnie has have been dealing with racism at school and then Mm -hmm. sarah's mother died and has had a mental health crisis and you understand each and every one of them who they are as people what their motivation is mm-hmm. and we got there was just nothing here nothing. i mean they're so flat you just don't know anything about them and it's clearly i think a script problem because the actors all seemed pretty solid mm-hmm. so for me that i think was one of the biggest disappointments because i think one of the magic elements for me of the original is that when I originally watched it, I felt so drawn in and connected to the characters because I was kind of a weirdo and and dealt with shit at school and seeing you were the weirdo, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> you knew we were not going to make it through the episode no. without one of us saying that, right? There was no way. <laughs> My partner's never seen the original, so when that moment comes up and I said it before uh-huh. they said it, he was like, "Whoa!" I thought I had like it was witchcraft. I was like, "No, this was always oh, coming. Amazing. This was always coming." <laughs> Yeah, so it's like I really identified with those girls and you you understood their struggle and and why they were drawn to the witchcraft and how it could even go too far, you know? Mm-hmm. All of that made sense in that movie. And there's also something to the idea that there's this rebellious outsider spirit and I think that that is lacking in this movie. But mostly mm-hmm. just the fact that you don't know anything about this and the movie is centered on these four women. Why don't we know who they are? Yeah. I mean, that just seems like a huge oversight to me yeah. that that wasn't included. I agree. I kept saying, who are these people? Are yeah. we just never going to find out who they are? Yeah. There's one little moment where Tabby sees some graffiti on her locker and she burns it off. It says, right. you know, Tabby is a slut or whatever. I feel like there's a backstory there. I don't know if it got cut or what the deal was. But there's hints of there being something there. At one point, we hear that Frankie had a crush on someone. Right. And I'm guessing we're just supposed to say Lourdes is trans. I mean, that's what we know about Lourdes. We don't know. But that's the only thing. (laughs) We don't know any of her struggles otherwise, you know? And so, and and I do feel like the movie suffers for not knowing these people. There are so many characters in this movie and so few of them. There's only two and a half, again, characters that this movie (laughs) is even interested in. It's very interested in Lily and it's very interested in Timmy and it's lightweight interested in Adam. But nobody else gets any characterization really including the three sons why include the three sons yeah that is one of the more confusing things about this movie because why are we introduced to them when we know really nothing about them why is this guy sleepwalking into her room isn't is that supposed to have meaning because it never is explained what that's about i mean is he mad because what happened to timmy i feel like there is something something got cut because yeah, there's really these, feels that way. there's these, I mean, they're not even red herrings. They're just these bits of code that have been left right. behind, you know, 
yeah why isaiah i don't think says a single word in the movie no i don't think so either and honestly i knew so little about them that when she first goes to school and she looks at one of them in the hall or the cafeteria it took me a second before i realized that was one of her brothers yeah yeah i mean didn't it seem like they were gonna go somewhere with yes. the jeremy thing too with her friend that liked him yeah it sure seemed like it but it went it went nowhere she also has visions of snakes which kind of is reminiscent maybe pointing to the first movie but nothing is done with that you know well, i mean know it's the symbol about, really. of the family crest well yeah when they showed the okay. family crest it had two, four, two around it and then so she saw the snake right when she got there it was you know an omen a warning sign right all right that's fair that's fair but, but i do think there's probably more on a some in some version <laughs> of us. yeah agreed i also think one of the things i love about the original is that when the women first get together, you get to experience them bonding in a few different scenes. And you also get to experience them learning the skill of magic, building up to being really proficient and maybe too powerful. Well, definitely too powerful. Right. In this movie, they really just basically, it was like snap your fingers and they're all powerful witches. I mean, right. it's like they did one circle, they froze time, and then all of a sudden she has flames shooting out of her finger and they can just do whatever they want. There was never even a shark on the beach moment. No. And what, yeah. Yeah. So you don't you don't get that. And that was a really fun part of the original movie. I would have liked to have seen them bonding. We could have gotten to know the characters better, seen them grow with their magic. In the first one, there's the woman who owns the bookstore, like or yeah. the witchy store, who yeah. kind of teaches them stuff and points them in directions. And here they just have this one book and they somehow know how to do everything immediately. Yeah. I mean, the only time we get Manon name checked is when the bad guy says it. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> What's really? up with that? Yeah. 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 I, I miss the edge that the original film had. Right. Like, there was something dangerous about the magic. And I yeah, get, there's I kind darkness. of get the motivation of trying to show the divine feminine, but there needs to be that balance, right? Like you were saying, it was really important to show that they had ethics around the magic. And I feel like without that sort of consequence, there's no mention of what you do comes back to you times nope. three. None of that. I kind of felt like there were no consequences for magic and there was no reason to worry about trusting one another. And the ethics of magic were, you were required to have those ethics in your life as a viewer as opposed to the movie setting up any sort of like what are the principles around this yeah why yeah. is this dangerous to do they never had a spell go wrong you know what i mean no and it never had that sense that it had gotten away from them like it was too big and even the the thing that they think maybe they caused the suicide they didn't <laughs> the warlock well, caused that right i mean so. even if you go back to the very first time that they successfully do something together it's they push the bully away as opposed to running over someone and killing them in right. the first movie. And that's what I'm saying. The darkness, the edge of it is missing in this, which is part of why I feel like it feels a little bit like a TV pilot. You're right. It would work so much better as a pilot because then if you were it. only introduced to a couple of characters, it would make sense because the following episodes could show you everybody else. <laughs> but without that, you're just left like, I don't understand. There are yeah. too many plot holes left open and there are too many characters who we don't know about. And I also agree with you on the them softening it too much yes. for this movie to the point where I don't even think it's a horror movie anymore. 
no i miss the coolness of the original you know yes. what i mean and that coolness came from the darkness and the subversiveness of it and and i find that this is kind of a reoccurring problem with a lot of these remakes from the 80s and 90s is that they seem to lose their teeth yep i wish this had gone super dark instead like it had gone a completely different direction there are things I love about the softness and the sweetness of it, but I feel like it would have, if we had balanced that with even the villain seeming really scary would have helped. Yeah, but, the villain's not scary at all. I mean, bless Can we his talk heart. about David Duchovny? Bless his heart. There are some strong performances in this movie. I would argue that Timothy is a really strong performance in yes, this movie. Agreed. And then there's David Duchovny. Bless he his heart. Is terrible. <laughs> He's a bit of a brick in this. I don't understand what happened there because clearly the man can act. We've seen him in multiple other roles. I, I mean, at least like well enough can't. that he doesn't stick out like a sore thumb, right? I think he's good at playing one very particular yeah, character and he's right. very good at it. And I have a lot of love for David Duchovny, but it's kind of like he just doesn't exude menace in any no, way. No, there's nothing sinister about him at all. He's not scary. He doesn't put you on edge. There's no tension built by him getting scarier and scarier. Even that scene where he is disciplining her and you're supposed to read that as like, oh shit, we had no idea who this guy was. Yeah. He clearly has a really dark side. I didn't buy it. Not for a second. I hear what you're saying that maybe he's not a fantastic actor. I'll agree with you there. But here he's just so bad that I don't understand what yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, even when we get to the climax, I kept waiting. What is the point of having this coven of men? Yeah. He's like passing around the man stick, which is very phallic, <laughs> by the way. The snapping, that was so weird. Oh my too. God, I know. But then then he's in the woods alone. Where's your pubes, yeah. dude? I kept waiting for the suns to come out of the woodwork. Something, here's the payoff that they're yeah. a part of their own sort of, you know, reverse coven. But in, instead, it's just him. Yeah, it's it was him just and some him. Super dodgy CGI. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, it was just him. There's so little buildup that the payoff mean is like basically meaningless there's no tension in that scene yeah. like the climax of this movie i think really kind of ruins a lot of the goodwill they had built because nothing really amounts to anything it doesn't mean that much other than get them getting knocked down nothing really happens to them right you don't even really see them having to work together that much they just get this colorful aura and then they you know yeah. I don't know. And the CGI is just so terrible. The colorful aura stuff, I think that that was really pretty when it was done earlier in the happier when scenes. When it was sort of dreamlike, yeah. Yes, but once we get to this, the intensity of the climax of the movie, it felt really misplaced. And something about the way that they did it felt really cheesy. The CGI effect of it was bad. Yeah. When David Duchovny... Or like the gold ball of containment. Yes, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was it was cheesy and badly done. And David Duchovny, when he, okay, when she's having this conversation with her mother, and then you realize it's really him and the face morph. What was that? That was yeah. so bad too. It looked terrible. Yeah. And they they put some money into this movie, unlike Black Christmas, which had a very small budget. I don't get what happened. Mm, that's interesting. I don't know if it was a post-production problem because of COVID, if they were trying to rush oh, things. Oh, maybe. Or what happened, because it feels to me like they spent almost nothing on that CGI. It's a shame. It's Because there's good stuff here. There is. Mm -hmm. I don't want to totally shit on this movie because 
there is a sweetness and you can sense that the filmmaker actually really cared about this property here it doesn't feel like a heartless cash grab at all and i think they explore interesting ideas there are just some serious problems as well and i think a lot of it has to do with it's just characterization it would have enriched the film to actually care about all the people in this movie or understand who they were and to find somebody who could actually really bring the scary at the end yes and i think even with the bad CGI, if you had done those two things, I think you would have kind of like been like, oh, the CGI. But yeah, sure. But you can overlook that when everything else is yeah, really right. great and you're invested. Right. But yeah. that the problem is, is it's the combination of all those things really become so apparent in the, the, the finale. All the problems combine in the finale. Yeah. You know, and that's that's a shame because that's the thing you're left with, essentially, with the movie is that right. it, it's easy to forget some of the really interesting things that happened before that. The other thing I think is a bummer and a missed opportunity here, and it's interesting that you say that there was a budget for this movie, is the soundtrack for this or the lack of soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing. It's not that it's bad. It's just nothing stands out. And I feel like it's a little bit of a shame because if one of the great joys of the 90s teen movie was the soundtrack. Right. Like how many soundtracks did you own in the 90s? So yeah. many. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I kind of feel like that would be a way that you, if you were able to have a really solid soundtrack pulling from modern music, but also 90s music, aside from one crummy Alanis Morissette album song, which it's not even the best one. You know what I mean? Like, ugh. Um, <laughs> I think would have been kind of a subtle way to kind of capture that 90s magic without it having to be super like, we're the weirdos, Mr. You know what I mean? It would have been a much more subtle way to kind of do it and a way that like, I don't know, I would I would have loved that. And and I assumed the reason something like that didn't happen was partially to do with budget. But well, I think when I looked it up that this movie, I think it had a $25 million budget. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know Bloomhouse keeps their budgets low. That's their business model. Right. But I mean, it would have been great to just have a few throwback songs. I mean, as a Riot Girl, how is there no Riot Girl in this movie? Right. I mean, that's the thing is, I feel like part of the reason there is all of this love and fondness for the first one and why it's kind of be it's this iconic 90s movie is because it encapsulates so many things it has all that stuff about being a weirdo and an outsider the fashion is peak 90s the music is so 90s that it is frozen in this place in time yeah that makes it really cool and it has that edge and that darkness and this movie i just i kind of can't imagine that in 20 years people are going to be talking about this one. Do you know what I mean? Like teenagers who saw this today, I don't think they'll remember it 20 years from now. I think 20 years from now, horror fans are still going to be referencing the original craft. Yeah, I think so too. I talked to my niece who is 18 about the fashion because you and I had had this conversation after we watched the trailer and Mm -hmm. you were like, I'm not sure about the fashion choices in the movie. And I actually think that once we saw the movie, the the yeah. fashion choices that they I, made. I felt were, much better about them. Yeah. Yeah. Were much cooler and much more interesting than we had seen from the trailer. Mm-hmm. And my niece agreed. <laughs> so yeah. she thought that the fashion was really cool. She also loved all of the makeup and thought that was mm-hmm. really great. Yeah. But I still think without those other, other elements of characters that you can connect to and identify with, without the music and without that darker edge i think this movie is a little more forgettable than the original unfortunately and it's sad because you're right that there are some really interesting kernels of ideas here and really cool choices that 
Zoe Lister-Jones made as the director and the writer, it just falls short, unfortunately, in the, especially the final act of this movie. I think part of the problem is the thesis of this movie and what made the other movie kind of work or at war a little bit where Mm -hmm. there was a danger in being a powerful woman in the first one. And I, and I, I kind of like writing that line of feeling that tension of being too powerful, regardless of gender. Mm -hmm. And this movie is about the divine feminine, which is really great. And about how men fear women's power. And so you have to kind of accept that a powerful woman is a good thing. And it is a good thing. But I do miss the edge of it also, in addition to being a good thing, a little bit dangerous. And that a little bit dangerous being very alluring. Yeah. I was drawn to that danger. And I, I kind of wish we could have had some of that. Like I wanted to see some of the magic go badly for there to be actual repercussions for the magic going badly. Because ultimately, even though they break up because they think that they were responsible for Timmy's death. And I guess through six degrees of separation, they were, they started the process, but I never felt like they really had direct repercussions for doing something wrong. No, it's like the magic doesn't cost anything. So it doesn't really mean anything either. They're not playing with fire at all. No, they didn't have to work to earn it. And they also didn't have any consequences for going too far. So then Mm -hmm. it's sort of like, well, then why isn't everybody using magic? You know? Totally. Totally. The other thing is just (laughs) my other... Con, it's not like a real well okay there's two things first of all some of the dialogue was cringe let's be yeah. honest like yes. it felt very much like grown-ups writing for gen z years it really and it wasn't did. quite 90s throwback enough to be stylized but it also didn't feel super current yeah and so and also although because they're so trimmed down in terms of the characters they just speak in exposition all the time it was yeah. it was rough. Some, yeah, like, it, it, was, it really was. And trying yeah. to throw in stuff like IRL and that somehow makes you a teenager. I don't know. Ooh, it was no. cheesy. Yeah. But the last thing was, why is Nancy her mother? Shouldn't it be Sarah? Yeah. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> I mean, that would make more witch. sense because Sarah was the natural witch. Her mother was a witch. You find that yeah. out at the end of the craft. So it would have yeah. made far more sense for that to be true. I mean, like, I get why you want Nancy there because she's iconic. Yeah, and you, nobody will ever forget Faruza Balk's character. Right. Never. forever in She your is brain. truly iconic. Yes. But it doesn't make No, sense. it doesn't. I'm <laughs> so like, glad you said that because that was exactly what I thought when I saw her. I was like, she's not the natural witch. Sarah's no. the natural witch. <laughs> she was, you know, a hedge witch with a book who got bound. She would not be passing on witch genes. No. She became crazy powerful, but it was only because of the things that she did. It wasn't because she was born with it. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But overall, I know we just spent a bunch of time. chopping this thing down but honestly overall it was a nice watch i'm i'm more critical than i actually feel because we're in the context of being critical that's what that's the agenda of what we're doing right now is is all the little nitpicks that we would probably let us let go we're talking about but my my genuine experience with the movie was it was a little slight but I enjoyed myself while I watched it. I probably won't watch it again. And it does not live up to the original. But it's n- of all the remakes and sequels and stuff we've seen, this one is pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah, not I agree. Not great, but pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's a fine movie. And it, I had an enjoyable time while I watched it. It didn't make me angry, even though I have a true 
love of the original. Right. You know what? That's a good sign right there that you're not angry about it because it'd be so easy to be super butthurt if it was – if it if it didn't have the things that worked for it, working right. for it, it would be very easy to just be super bitter about it. Yeah, and I'm not. It didn't it didn't live up to I don't know. I guess I didn't really have expectations because we're kind of used to reboots yeah. and sequels being yeah. pretty lame. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go into this thinking it was going to be fantastic, but it definitely left me feeling good about it. Like it's it's not great We've gone into all the reasons why it's not great, but it's a fun little movie and it was an enjoyable time. And if that's what you're looking for, and especially if you don't love the original, yeah, you could do so much worse. You know, Mm -hmm. give this one a go. It has CWE vibes. If you enjoy the supernatural subgenre of of CW and Netflix, this slots in really well with those and and in the higher half. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I will say I thought it was really well directed. I mean, competently directed by uh, Zoe Lister-Jones. I think she has a very good – she has style. She has a good eye. I think that I'm excited to see what she does in the future. I certainly would watch another one of her movies and be very – and look forward to it. So I I think she's great. Even if the movie is good, I think she's pretty great. So that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Anything else before we wrap up? No, I think that was it. All right, cool. So for those of you at home that are listening along, if you had some thoughts, if we missed something, you disagree, something you want us to cover, let us know. You can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com. If you're enjoying the show, review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you're using. And if you're looking for something to watch tonight, check out our video on demand calendar where we keep track of all the horror and horror adjacent things that are available on streaming and video on demand services. And that just leaves us with our plans for the next episode. Yeah, I'm so curious to know what we're going to pick. Girl, you know what time of year it is, don't you? It's Christmas. Oh, good. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's my favorite time of the year. I mean, I love Halloween. I love Thanksgiving. I love all the holidays. I'm a holiday kind of gal. But Christmas is the crown jewel of holidays, in my opinion. (laughs) I mean, it's it's neck and neck with, with Halloween, but Christmas just edges it out because presents. <laughs> so I, of course, want to celebrate it every single way I can, including on the podcast. So we are going to get festive AF on the next episode. So we're going to be reviewing the Black Christmas remake, another back-to-back remakes here from Bloomhouse. <laughs> Black Christmas from 2019, directed by Sophia Tacall. I now I don't know. Have we seen anything from her? I think I think she did something in that XX anthology. Yeah, I believe she did. I guess we'll find out next week when I have to do all the research. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's the synopsis. Hawthorne College is quieting down for the holidays as students travel home to spend time with their families. But as Riley and her sorority sisters prepare to deck the halls with seasonal parties, a mysterious cloak figure starts to leave a bloody trail throughout the campus. Refusing to become hapless victims, Riley and her friends decide to band together and fight back against the psychotic Christmas killer. That sounds good. Yeah. So I have a confession. Okay. (laughs) We all know I have many shame holes in my having movie, watch movies. (gasps) Have you never seen the original? I've never seen the original. 
Oh my God, Rachel, you need to correct yep, that. I'm it's going great. To. That's the other thing I'm getting. So between now and then, I'm going to have watched two Black Christmases. Okay, I think there's awesome. actually three of them. There is. I think there was one made ten years ago. Or do I need to less. watch that one too? Or I actually just... never watched that one, so I don't okay. know. All right, cool. <laughs> well, so I'm gonna I'm going to correct it and watch the original Black okay, Christmas, and good. then I'm going to watch this one as well. So everybody else should do the same. Yeah, if you haven't already. So, <laughs> awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. Now, you've seen this one before. I have. Yeah, I watched it last year. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, you want to take us out? Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. And we'll be here next time with some Christmassy goodness. So. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right bye everybody bye everybody <laughs>